Welcome to Global River Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org. All right. Well, would you stand and let's welcome Bishop, Bishop Funchou. Hallelujah. I know he's got a word Praise for us. Praise the Lord. Thank you, sir. Yeah, it's fine. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, you can do better than that. Praise the Lord. <laughs> for the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Say it again. For the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Tell your neighbor, for the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. I am super stoked, Woo! hallelujah, to bring the word of the living God to us this morning. Of course, today is Father's Day, so happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there, amen. The Lord loves you. As we were worshiping earlier, and I was, you know, doing my thing, and I was laying down there, God was speaking to me, and he was saying things to me that if I tell you, some of you may not believe. Amen? For example, he said, I love you as much as I love my son, Jesus. You, you guys believe that? So if you're a father today and you're having a difficult time, I want you to know that we have two fathers. We have our earthly father and we have our heavenly father. And your heavenly father is not a deadbeat dad. Amen? Amen? He loves you. He loves you with an everlasting love. I'm going to trust the Holy Spirit for speed. Amen? Because it's already 1120. So you guys better not be in a hurry. Praise the Lord. I'm going to speak what I believe God put in my heart. Um, there will be some encouragement. There will be some reproof, correction. It's still the word of God. Amen? Our text is uh, Luke ch chapter 15. I want you to write it down. When you have Bible study with your family sometime this week, use that. Uh, from 11 to 32 is the story of the prodigal son. But I want you to focus on the father. Many times when you preach that and you hear it preached, we focus on the prodigal son or his brother. But I want you to focus on the father. If God allows, if time allows, I will, I will circle back to that. So let me start by saying, who is a father? Who is a father? Question. Who is a father? Number one, God. God is a father. The father of spirits, the Bible says. And Jesus introduced him to us in many, many ways. One of the ways that we are familiar with is in the Lord's Prayer. He said in the Lord's Prayer, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive those who are debtor to us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. Like I said, you have two fathers. You have your earthly father and you have your heavenly father. And because we don't have time, 
the concept of spiritual fatherhood. I was going to get into that. Uh, it's something that is lost to most in the church today. But thank God, not in this church, Global River, we are, we are at a higher level. Glory to God. The concept of spiritual fatherhood. I mean, you can see examples of Moses and Joshua, Paul and Timothy, Elijah and Elisha. A father is a source. If you look up the definition of a father, it's a source where you get something from. And when you think about it in connection with our heavenly father, he's our source. The source of life, source of everything. Glory to God. So, fathers have a spiritual impact and natural impact on their children. Let me look at generational impact. For example, you're familiar with the story of Gehazi in the Bible. How many of you are familiar with that story? Praise the Lord. In 2 Kings chapter 5, beginning from verse 20 to 27. Without spending a lot of time getting into the story, Naaman... A Syrian general had leprosy. So he came to the prophet through the king to get healed. Long story short, he got his healing. Now, he came with a lot of goodies, gold, silver, change of clothes, to give us a gift to the man of God. But the man of God said, no, I'm not taking anything. Now, Gehazi, being a rascal that he is, <laughs> He went behind the man of God and caught up with the chariot and said, I made up a lie. You know, some people came and we need some clothes, we need some stuff. So, of course, Naaman, being very appreciative, said, take it. Take whatever you, you need. And, and he, not only did he give it to him, he put it on men to take it back to his home. What a, what a rascal that guy is. And that tells me something even about the ministry and the office of a prophet. Because think about it, if God tells the prophet everything, every second, that would be the stupidest thing to do, <laughs> if that's a word. <laughs> because you know that the prophet will know. But because God doesn't tell the prophet everything, so he thinks he can get by with it. Another example, the Shunammite woman. When the Shunammite woman held on to the leg of the prophet, Gehazi, this same Gehazi, he was going to push her away. And the prophet said, leave her alone. Her soul is in distress, but the Lord has withheld it from me. He's a prophet. The prophet doesn't know everything. That's uh, in bracket. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So we see the story here. Gehazi got the stuff. And of course, you know the story. The prophet said, my spirit went with you. In other words, as you were going, my spirit went with you. I was there. I was a high witness. And as a result, the leprosy of Naaman comes upon you and your children after you. That's where I'm going. Gehazi messed up and brought a curse upon himself, not just himself, his generation to follow. So think about it, three or four generations down, his great-grandkids has leprosy. And he's like, Dad, how come I got leprosy? Well, I don't know, we, we've been in our family. And thank God for this church, we do prayer ministry. Generational curses can be broken. Amen? Generational curses can be broken. So you can see the impact of fathers on their children. You can bring blessing upon your children, 
or you can bring curses upon your children. So the choices that you are making today is not just about you. It's about the generations to come. So think about it. You know, maybe you are going through a difficult time right now, and you are thinking about getting a divorce, or you are thinking about, you know, going separate ways. Think and pray hard about that. Because it's not just about the two of you. It's about the children and the impact that it's going to have on those children. If I have time, and I'm trusting the Lord that I will, I want to go over some impact of fatherlessness in the home. Uh, my brother Tracy spoke about that a little bit uh, two or three weeks ago when he, when he preached on this. We, we are focusing, in my opinion, on the, when you want to cut off a tree, you have to go to the root. If you're cutting off the branches, eventually it's going to spring up again. If you don't go to the root of the problem, the, the tree is going to grow again. Praise the Lord. So we see the impact of Gehazi's choice on his family. Another one that you're probably familiar with is Eli. Eli the priest. This was when Samuel, the, small, the young Samuel was just coming up and becoming the prophet in the land. Now, Eli had two rascal boys. I call them rascals because of what they were doing in the house of the Lord. They are rascals, praise the Lord. People will bring offering unto the Lord and there is protocols that has to be followed. Some of them has to be burned, some of them have to be cooked, etc., etc. But these guys, they are the sons of the pastor, quote unquote. They are the sons of the priest. They will harass people, they are sleeping with women in the house. They are doing all kinds of despicable things in the house of the Lord. And they brought word to Eli. Now, I want us to pay attention to this because we live in a country where it's politically incorrect to discipline our children. Amen? I'm not talking about abuse. There's a fine line between discipline and abuse. The Bible says, spare the rod and spoil the child. You know, we live in a generation that it's not okay to spank your kids. I grew up, I got a lot of whooping. <laughs> and it helped me. It helped me to get my, you know, they say something in my, in my culture. When your brain is not functioning, a good, a good spanking will reset the brain. <laughs> Amen. It will reset the brain and bring it back in alignment. All of the stuff that kids are going through today, we all went through it. I mean, Tracy talked about it. We all went through it, you know, joining, you know, the wrong crowd and doing stuff you're not supposed to be doing. Every child will go through that. But the presence of a father and a mother in the home, bringing correction, love, and support, will put them on the right path. Amen? Amen. Put them on the right path. So we see Eli heard about Ophni and Phineas, how they were behaving in the house of the Lord. And he did not correct them. This was Eli's response. Ah, you boys. I'm going to use my Nigerian accent. You boys, you better stop it, though. You better stop. That's essentially what he did. I mean, if you were a father and you heard that your sons are doing what was reported concerning Ophni and Phineas, what would you do? You call them to the carpet. You bring them before God's people. You denounce it that this is wrong in the house of the Lord. You put them in severe punishment. And something else that I did not see, because I was meditating on it and studying it again last night, there was no repentance from either Eli or the boys. There was no repentance because God always brings judgment, giving room for redemption. 
when God brings judgment, he always brings room for redemption. No matter what it is, no matter how bad it is, I mean, we, we know about Ezekiah. God said to him, set your house in order, for you, sh- you shall surely die. This was the word of the Lord from a prophet, a national prophet. You are going to die. This is coming from the mouth of the big dog. You are going to die. And guess what he did? He turned his face against the wall and began to weep and began to repent. The prophet has not left the court house. And God said, go back and tell him, because you have humbled yourself before me, I'm going to add 15 years to your life. There is something to be said about a broken spirit, a heart of repentance before the Lord. Amen? So even when God makes a pronouncement over you, there's room. He makes room for redemption. But it's up to us to say, Lord, redeem our land. Redeem my family. God have mercy. So when you look at that story, there's no mention of Eli going before the Lord and saying, Lord, have mercy. God sent a a man of God to him. And then God said, Samuel, to go and speak to him. The Bible said, God, God said, they, I'm going to do something in the land that every ear that hear it would tingle. That's what King James and New King James said. Every ear that hear it would tingle. What I've said concerning Helah is going to come to pass exactly. Now, in the midst of that, if they had repented, because I know this father, is a good father. The Bible said he, he, he sent Jesus that nobody should go to hell, but that all should come to repentance. If they had repented, if Ophni and Phineas had repented, if Eli had repented, God would have taken them. That's the nature of the Father. Amen? But they did not repent, and guess what? They got the judgment of God. Now, I want to read a couple of things for us. Uh, oof, time is gone. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Stop looking at the time. Thank you. I'm not going to look at the time. First Samuel chapter 2. I borrowed my daughter's Bible. And I'm so blessed because I can see she's reading it. She's got markings all over. Goliath equals Shaq. What is that? Praise the Lord. <laughs> First Samuel chapter 2, 17, beginning from verse 17. Therefore the sin of the young men was very great before the Lord, for the men abhorred the offering of the Lord. And Samuel ministered before the Lord even as a child wearing the linen ephod. I want to go to verse, um, let's go to chapter 3 beginning from verse 12. I want us to see the pronouncement of God over um, the house of Eli. Very, very terrible punishment. Beginning from verse, 4 Samuel 3, beginning from verse 12. And in that day I will perform against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from the beginning to the end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knows because his sons made themselves vile, and he did not restrain them. And therefore, I have sworn in the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. So Samuel laid down until morning. God was speaking to him about this. So you can see the effect of the inaction of Eli upon not just Ophini and Phineas, his lineage. He lost the priesthood. Praise the Lord. 
So fathers have a huge impact. Our actions have a huge impact on our children and the generations to follow. You see that even in the life of Abraham. God was about to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. He came with the two angels. You know the story. And God, as God was about to leave, he said, can I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Seeing, knowing that, according to King James or New King James, he will command his children and his household after him to follow righteousness, to do justice. I can't hide from my man what I'm about to do. So Abraham endeared himself to the heart of God because he's carrying his family along. He's carrying his family in the ways of the Lord. What are you doing, men, in your home? What are you doing? Are you leading your family in the way of the Lord? Can God say that about you? Can God say that about me? That I cannot hide from Bishop. I cannot hide from Pastor Tom. I cannot hide from Pastor William. What, what I'm about to do, knowing that he will command his children after him to do righteousness, to follow the ways of the Lord. Can God say that about you? Can God say that about me? And somebody might say, well, how do I set up an altar in my home? How do I begin that? Start from John chapter 1. Don't, don't, it's not that serious like my daughter would say. Just start somewhere. Begin. Have a family time and read the Bible together and pray together. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to have all the Hebrews and the Greek, all of that stuff will come later. Amen? But start somewhere. Start somewhere. Grandparents, if your children are around you, take them to the word of God. As you are fellowshipping together and doing stuff together, make sure there's repeated, regular time in the word as a family. That was God's, I, that was God's, uh, how do I say it? That was God's mind concerning Abraham. He said, I know him. He's going to command his children and his household after him to follow the ways of the Lord. Can you say that about yourself today? Can I say that about myself? I said I'm gonna step on toes here and there. Um, it's not me, it's the word of the Lord, amen? We also see, I, I've talked about the spiritual impact, generational best blessings or generational curses. We know about Abraham. We are all children of Abraham, right? Abraham's blessings are mine. You can either pass blessings to your children or pass curses to your children. And like I said before, if you notice a pattern of things happening in your life, it can be broken. Generational curses can be broken. But I want us to know that you have much impact on your family, more than you know. Now let's look at the natural side of things. Uh, there has been so many research that has been done on fatherlessness in the home. Um, like I said earlier, Tracy talked about that a little bit. I, I pulled some uh, articles that are written by Harvard graduates, people that are specialists in family and family life and study it and been doing it for years. And I'm going to show you some statistics that will hopefully open your mind to how much impact you have as a father. Stay with your children. Amen? No matter what, come hell or high water, stay with your family. I'm going to say that again. Stay with your family. Come hell or high water. Amen? Stay with your family. Ask God to give you the grace, whatever you need. Praise the Lord. Natural impact of fathers or toxic fatherhood or fatherlessness. 
It has impact on poverty. It has impact on drug and substance abuse. Physical and emotional growth is affected in a grave way. Educational achievement is affected. Crime, illicit sexual activity because of lack of fathers in the home. For example, children, this is poverty. Children in father absent who are almost four times more likely to be poor. In 2011, 12% of children in married couples were living in poverty compared to 44%. Amen? And the, I mean, the, the, the list goes on and on. Poverty, drug and alcohol abuse, physical and emotional health, educational achievement. I'm going to read that one. Children in grades 7 to 12 who have lived with at least one biological parent, youth that experience divorce, separation, or non-union birth, reported lower grade point average than those who have always lived with both biological parents. So you have much to say, much to do, your presence. I'm not just talking about fathers that are just there, just you know, warming the couch. I'm talking about fathers that are there and active and providing and leading and encouraging and disciplining when discipline is necessary. Amen? Amen. That's what God is saying to you as a father in the church and for those that are watching online as well. So also, even from the natural standpoint, um, I'm five, six and a half. Tracy is taller than me. Uh, it's not my fault. It's my papa's fault. It's genetics. It's not because I, then I'm gonna get taller. No, there's nothing you, are, you can do about that. It's genetics. It's all purely genetics. And the skin of my color is like this. The skin of your color is like that. Genetics. I know, oh, by the way, I was meditating on this and I said, Lord, you know, with all of this drama that's going on in our country, if I were you, I was talking to the Lord, I was, if I were you, I would just make everybody to look the same. <laughs> so we wouldn't have any problem. And God said, that's, that's, that's cool, but I made everybody the way I wanted. I'm the father. I'm the government. I can do whatever I want. He said the root of the problem is in the heart of men. It's not the color of the skin. It's in the heart of men. Amen? We are all from Adam. Guess what? The, all the genetics that you see in this room and those that are watching online, we all came from Adam. Let that sink in for a minute. Uh, you are my brother. You are my sister. Like it or, or not. Unless you don't believe the Bible. Unless you do not believe the word of God. So you have to examine your heart. That's the heart of the matter. I have to examine my heart. You have to examine your heart. We are all from the same family. So God kind of set me straight on that one. I am God, you are not. Remember that song? I am, you are God and I am not. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> it's like the clay telling the, the porter, what are you making? I'm making whatever I want to make. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> and if you keep talking, I'm going to turn you into a cup. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So God is in love with his family. Black, white, green, purple, yellow, you know, like that song that was being sung earlier. God made us different because he wanted to. 
when we get to heaven, you're going to see woo, every nation, every tongue, every tribe praising God in Spanish, in German, in English, in Swahili, in Africa, in every language, every tongue known to man. Because that's what the Father wanted. He wanted a diverse family. So get used to it. Amen? That's the family of God. Praise the Lord. Now, let's look at some roles and function of the Father. The Father's, one of the main functions of the Father is love. Love your children. 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient, is kind, is not irritable, is not puffed up, is not vainglorious. 1 Corinthians 13. Rejoices in truth, bears all things, believes all things. So show love towards your children. Show love towards your children. Proverbs 13, 24. The Bible says, I, I mentioned this earlier, whoever spares the rod hates his son. That's the word of God. Whoever spares the rod when a rod is necessary hates his son. Am I reading the Bible? Can you put it up for me, please? Proverbs 13, 24. Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him or her. Praise the Lord. That's the word of God. Now, look at it from God's perspective. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6. He whom the Lord loves, he corrects or disciplines. This is still in the, in the realm of love. God is saying if you love your son or your daughter, you will correct them. You will say, stop that. Don't do that. That's wrong. And all this time out, yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> I'm not saying abuse your children. I'm not saying that. The God of heaven, the Father of Spirit, says, if I love you, I'll correct you. Are you smarter than God? Remember that show, are you smarter than a fifth grader? No, you are not. In case you, you are still wondering, you are not smarter than God. <laughs> So God is saying discipline should be part of love. Correct discipline, not abuse. Okay? Proverbs 3, 11 to 12. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For him whom the Lord loves, he corrects. Bishop, cut that out. Pastor Willie, cut that out. The reason he's telling you is because he loves you. Amen? Amen. Even as a father, the son in whom he delights. Now, as I, was as I was preparing for this meditation on this, the Lord brought something in my spirit in my mother tongue. I learned that verse first in my mother tongue. And I'm not going to say it to you guys, but he said I should bring that up. And I wanted you guys to go to Proverbs 29, 11. And it says this, he who is often rebuked and hardens his neck, becomes stubborn, will suddenly be destroyed and without remedy. Let me read it again. Proverbs 29, 11. 
he who is often rebuked and hardens his neck will suddenly be destroyed without remedy. This is God's word. You can't take that verse out of the Bible. So God is saying, when I'm rebuking you, I'm correcting you, it's because I love. But if you don't listen, you are calling for, for trouble. Proverbs 29:11. Another piece that's very important in the area of love for fathers. First Timothy 5:8. The Bible says, if anyone does not provide for his household or relative, and especially members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. I don't got no money, I can't get no money. Go and find a job. Amen? Start somewhere. And trust God to help you. This is real talk. Go and find you a J-O-B and begin to provide for your household. It may not be at the level of others that you know, but start somewhere. And God will begin to add to you. God will begin to add to you. And before you know it, you have abundant supply. Amen? God expects men, especially because today is Father's Day, be a provider. Sweat. Go out and work with your hand, with your brain, or whatever you are using to do your job, and get it done. Not only are you providing for your household right now, you are setting an example for your children. Amen? Whether you like it or not, they are watching what you are doing, what you are saying, what, what you are about. They are copying that. I remember growing up, uh, you know, my, my brothers and I, we are, I have four brothers um, and two sisters. No, no, we are all four boys and two, two girls who are all married and, and in their own families now. People will tell us that we all look alike. I'm like, no, I don't look like them. <laughs> but the reality is we look alike. Again, going back to that DNA thing. And I will watch my dad go to the office, and then he will come back, and then we will do stuff together. We will do farming around the house. I hated it. So if you come to my house, there's no farming going on there. I've been there, done that. But he made us do it. But I saw the value of a diligent hard work for my dad. The man will go to his job day and night, even though at some point it wasn't enough, he was still doing it. He was there. He was there. So if you are a father today, and that has not been your story, you can start a new chapter today. It doesn't have to continue like that. You can begin to, that's what repentance really is. Repentance is I'm going north, and God says, no, north is wrong. You need to go south. Then you turn, you go start going south. That's all it is. Repentance. So stop it now. Quit it. And start doing what you are supposed to do. The Bible says, he that does not provide for his household is worse than an unbeliever. God sees you as an unbeliever with your holy hands, and then you, you don't provide for your household, you don't take care of your business. Come on, people. We are better than that. Praise the Lord. I'm not talking to anybody in particular. 
I'm just preaching God's word. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I mentioned earlier the job of the father is to train and to equip his children. Proverbs 22, 60 train up a child in the way of the Lord, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. Train up your children in the way of the Lord. When they get old, they will not depart from it. Thank God for church. Thank God for Sunday school. Thank God for fellowship in the house of God. But that should not be the only instruction your children are getting. Amen? Amen. It's mighty quiet in the house. That should not be the only instruction or education, spiritual education your children are getting. They should be getting it in the house. Turn off Netflix and say, guys, let's gather together. It's time to pray. Open the Bible. Let's read it together. What does that say? What does that say? Amen? That's God's expectation for you as a spiritual leader of your home. Amen? Amen. The Bible also speaks to fathers in Ephesians 6.4. You fathers do not provoke your children to wrath. And that's speaking to every man in the house. But bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. You know, we want to give our children good education, send them to school so that they can be productive members of society. That's great. We need to do that. We want to give them stock options. If you are able to do that, that's wonderful. We want to give them inheritance. That's wonderful. But the number one thing you should give your children is spiritual heritage. Amen? You can have stock options, you can have uh, all, the, all the other stuff that I talked about, but spiritual heritage. Amen? Have a routine Bible time in your home. If you don't have that right now, it's time to begin it. Especially on Father's Day. And don't just do it once in a month. Have good quality time where you look at the Word of God together. And let the word of God speak to you and speak to them. Amen? Praise the Lord. I mentioned about Abraham in Genesis 18, 17. The Bible said, and the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm doing? Since I know surely that he's going to become great and a mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him, for I have known him, in order that he may command his children and his household after him, that they keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice, that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. Praise the Lord. Now, I want to speak to another aspect of our relationship with God the Father, or your spiritual father, or your earthly father. And it's the concept of honor. Amen? Honor. I grew up in a culture where you prostrate, you go down to show respect for your elders, for your dad. In American culture, it's like, sir, you know, shake hands. Um, I'll be honest with you, when I first came here, and talk about culture shock, I look at everybody like, you are disrespectful, you are disrespectful, you are disrespectful. <laughs> Because you are shaking hands with your papa. I don't understand that. And I will never understand. And that's okay. It's culture, you know, culture. But let's look at the word of God. Let's see what the word of God says. Let's put culture out of it. Praise the Lord. (laughs) So what is honor? Honor is high respect. Not just respect. High respect. High, taller than me, respect. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Great esteem, when you look up the definition of honor. Exodus 20, verse 12, the scripture said, Honor your father and your mom, your mother, 
that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God gave you. I learned from Casey Price, one of my spiritual mentors in the faith, that when you read the Bible, sometimes it's also good to read it backwards. So in this case, let's read it backwards. Dishonor your father and your mother, and your days shall be short upon the earth. Who wants that for lunch today? Who wants that for lunch? I don't know about you. I don't want that. Honor your father and your mother, that your days might be long. So that may explain why some people die young. This is God's word. In fact, one of my mentors in the faith, uh, Bishop Oyedepo, is a friend of Mike Mudok. Most people know Mike Mudok. So Mike Mudok came to minister in Nigeria many years ago, and they were talking. And he said, you know, you know Mike Mudok is known for wisdom, and he's always hunting for more wisdom. He said, can you tell me, you know, some new revelation that you have received? He said, I was studying the word of God, and I came upon this verse. The Bible says, honor your father and your mother so that your days might be long. So I found the secret to longevity. Honor my father and my mother. You don't even need to pray about it. Just do what the word says. Come on, church. That's some deep revelation right there. Just do what the word says. You don't even need to pray for longevity. Just honor your father and your mom, and your days will be long. Hallelujah. That's the word of God. Hallelujah. Now, look at another piece. Malachi 1.6. Oh, this one is heavy. So fasten your seatbelt. Malachi chapter 1, verse 6. The Lord is saying, a son honors his father. In other words, it's an expectation. A son honors his father, comma. A servant is master. If then I am a father, where is my honor? If then I'm a father, where is my honor? And if I'm a master, where is my reverence? Says the Lord of hosts, to you priests, who despise my name, yet you say, in what way I will despise you? Now, God was addressing the priest during that time because the, they were, the way they were relating to the Lord in terms of the offering of the Lord and the way they were doing their service was dishonoring to him. But we can take a spiritual principle out of it. God is saying, if I'm a father, where is my honor? You know one of the ways you honor the Lord is in your substance. The Bible says, honor the Lord with your substance, with the first fruit of your increase. Then this will happen. Your barns will be filled. There will be plenty in your house. But when you come and you make, pastor did not tell me to say this, so you make $100, $10 is your tithe, and you give God five, you are dishonoring God. Like it or lump it. God understands Numbers. He wrote a book called Numbers. <laughs> Glory to God. He understands. So he knows what you make. He knows tithes belong to God. You are, not, you are not giving God tight. It belongs to him. I don't know how I got on that one. <laughs> tight belongs to God. God has rebuked me on that. He says, son, are you honoring me with your substance? Because, you know, I don't want to get into the details, but some people give tight on their gross. Some people give tight on their net. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Honor the Lord with your substance. 
God is saying, if I'm a father, where's my honor? If I'm truly your heavenly father, where's my honor? I told you this is heavy stuff today. Praise the Lord. Proverbs 3, 9, honor God with your substance. Your substance is your money, your resources, your time, your energy, your expertise, your knowledge, your wisdom, which, by the way, he gave to you in the first place. <laughs> you know, I, I did not just become this good-looking by myself. This is the work of the Lord. I'm just saying. <laughs> you, you might say you look ugly, but as far as Bishop is concerned, I'm just all of that and a bag of chips. Glory to God. This is, this, is, this is the Lord's doing, and it's marvelous in our eyes. <laughs> whatever you have, whatever you have, whatever influence you have, whatever resource you have, whatever strength you have is a gift from God. I used to tell my daughters, my kids, they are very smart, and I'm grateful to God for that, straight A's. Say, so you know that... Your smarts is not a product of hard work. It's a product of grace. Amen? Of course, there's a place for hard work. You can't say, I'm smart too, now. Nah, I'm not going to do any study. They know that. We have conversations on a routine basis. Have you done your homework? Have you done this? And then she doesn't need help with that. There are some of my kids that do one, actually. But, you know, that's the job of a father, a mother, to make sure it gets done. Amen? So whatever you have, the, in fact, the scriptures say, is there anything that we have that we have not received from the Lord? Everything you have is a gift from God. Your car, your house, your influence, your position, your, the money that you have in the bank, everything you have is a gift from your heavenly Father. So that means anybody that is acting pompous and proud about what they have, they don't have this spiritual understanding. They need to go to school. Amen? They don't know that, you know, it's a gift from the Lord. And that's why the scripture says, honor the Lord with your substance. And the beauty of it is the mathematics of heaven, the finance mathematics of heaven is so interesting. When you give to God, it multiplies to you. When you bless God in, with your tithe and with giving, and as it leads you to sow seeds, how does giving out multiply? That's God's mathematics. Doesn't make any sense. But don't, don't, you don't deal with God in sin because God is spirit, is a spirit. And those who worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth. If you are dealing with God with your mind, you, you, you are going to have some trouble. Praise the Lord. And God is a good father. I'm going to end with that. God is a good father. I'm going to borrow 10 more minutes, guys. Is that okay? I got to land this. Like pastor would say, God is a good father. He loves you more than you know. And he's going to help you fathers. He's, he's giving you those children. He's giving you those responsibility. And the resources, everything you need to excel in what he has called you to do. You know that fatherhood is a calling. You guys know that, right? Fatherhood is a calling. It's not just I have some babies and that's the end of it. No, it's a calling. And whatever you need to be a good father is available to you. All you have to do is just tap into it. God is a good God. Amen? Jesus modeled that to us. He told us about the father all the time. 
In fact, scripture said in here, Philip was asking, the disciples were asking Jesus in John 14, 9, have I been so long with you and you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? They were asking the question, show us the Father. And Jesus said, why are you asking that question? If you have seen me, you've seen the Father. So if you want us to, if you want to understand what the Father looks like, what his will is on any subject, what he thinks about you, what he feels towards you, just look at Jesus. The Bible says in Acts 10, 38, our God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all who are oppressed of the devil. So clearly we see that God is not the one oppressing. He's the one setting the oppressed free. And so we begin to see the mind of the Father and the heart of the Father in the area of deliverance and healing and miracles. You want to see the Father? You want to know what the Father looks like? Look at Jesus. He goes about doing good, helping people, setting the captives free. That's the Father. He's a loving God. He's, he's a mighty God. The Bible says in Hebrews 13, 6, so we may boldly say that the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord, the Father, is your helper. I told the man earlier that he's going to help you. Amen? You just have to believe that. Notice that everything that we do in the kingdom operates by faith. Hebrews 11:6. without faith, it's impossible to please God, for he that comes to God must believe that God exists and that he's a rewarder of everyone that diligently seek him. So everything we are talking about, it doesn't matter what message, you receive it by faith. So when I say God is going to help you, you receive that help. How do you do that? Lord, I receive help with my family. I receive help with my kids. Maybe you have kids that you are having trouble with. God can help you. Amen? God can turn that situation around. He specializes in turnaround. He relishes in that. If you remember the, the text that, we, uh, that I said you should study, um, the prodigal son or the father and the prodigal son, that's the heart of the father. He was waiting. The boy was coming. He was waiting. He said, Bring out the best clothes, the best shoe, the, you know, let's have a party because my son was dead, now he's alive. That's the heart of the father. Ah, do you want me to, you want me to, you want to cut me loose? Hallelujah. The Lord, the Bible says the Lord is my light. That's my papa. So that means any area of darkness around me, it will lighten my path. You have to believe that. And you have to act like God's word is true because it is true. You have to act like the word of God is true because it is true. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Hallelujah. I don't know about you. He is my shepherd. I don't know about you. Can me help you tell your neighbor, the Lord is my shepherd. It's getting quiet around here. The Lord is my shepherd. You have to believe that. What is a shepherd? Somebody that guides, somebody that leads, somebody that encourages, somebody that disciplines. is my shepherd. Amen. I shall not want. The Lord is my rock. He's got my back. You want to come at me? Bring it. Let's dance. Oh, let's dance. Because he said in his word, he will give his angels charge concerning me. And those guys, they don't play. 
Oh, you got to see them. 13 foot, 15 foot strong angels. They are around me right now. Hallelujah. You want to try me? Have at it. The Lord is my rock. You've got to believe that. You've got to go around with that consciousness. It almost makes you feel like you are walking on hair. What's wrong with that guy? Because the Lord is my shepherd and he's my rock. He's going to help me in my marriage. He's going to help me in my, in my business. He's going to help me with my job. The Bible says, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. I may be down right now, but I'm coming up. <laughs> because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. It may look dark right now, but guess what? I'm coming up. Because I'm in a family, I'm in a family where we never lose. I'm in a covenant that never lose. My papa owns a thousand cattle upon a thousand hills. Am I speaking to somebody this morning? Hallelujah. The Lord is my rock. He is my salvation. He is my provider. He is my help. That's your papa. That's your papa. And guess what? God doesn't have grandkids. He only has children. So as much as daddy is God's son, daddy's son is also God's son. God doesn't have grandkids. Have you read that in your Bible? You, I double dog share. Dare you. Show me. <laughs> Glory to God. God is in love with his church. Amen? God is in love with his church. Now, I'm going to read these two last verses, and then I'm going to close. Because you've got to see this. It's going to bless your socks off. Psalm number 27 and verse number 10. Psalm 27, verse number 10. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me. If my father and my mother forsake me. So maybe you don't have a, or your earthly father has forsaken you. God is saying, don't worry, son, I got you. I got you. Come on, church, I got you. This is not to hype you up. This is not to make you excited. This is the word of God. You've got to believe that and walk like it and act like it. Act like the word of God is true because it is true. Isaiah 49, 15. Isaiah 49, 15. Oh, women will relate to this and so will men. Can a woman forget a nursing child? and not have compassion on the son of a womb. Surely they may forget. Is that in your Bible? Yes. Yet I, the Lord, will not forget you. The next verse, I have inscribed you in the palms of my hand. Your walls are continually before me. He's not a deadbeat father. He's a good God. And he's madly in love with you. Ooh. He loves you the same way he loves Jesus. And that's some big love. All right? That's some really, really big love. The same way he loves Jesus, he loves you. If everybody on the earth disappears, he will still send Jesus on, on, on your account. If 8 billion people disappear except you, he will still send Jesus to die for you. That's how much he loves you. 
And I'm telling you, everyone under the sound of my voice, you are going to the next level. That's a prophetic word. You are going to the next level. You just have to receive it. Receive it. Receive it. You're going to the next level. This is the day that the Lord has made, and I will rejoice and be glad. Uh, you guys probably know that my dad passed away about three years ago, my earthly father. But I have a heavenly father. I'm not an orphan. I'm good. I'm really good. I hear from him. He talks to me. He corrects me. He leads me. He encourages me. He says, son, I love you. I love you. I love you. Keep going. Keep riding. Keep going. I'm telling you, when I was coming up, he said, son, I'm going with you. I'm going with you. I'm telling you, he's my, he's my biggest cheerleader. Get to know him. Get to know him. Church is not just, yeah, a place we go to, you know, to feel religious. No, no, no. There's a person behind all of this. His name is Yeshua, Jesus, Amashiach, Sikenu, the Father. And he loves you. And he wants to have fellowship with you. He wants to fellowship with you on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and on Sunday. Amen? He loves you. He's in love with you. So, Father, if you're if you feeling inadequate this morning, just tell him. I go to God and I tell him, Lord, I'm feeling like this today. I tell him how I feel. He's my papa. He's my papa. God is calling you to a deeper fellowship with him this morning. God is calling you to a deeper fellowship. So, if you're here this morning and you want to... Uh, hands to be laid on you, uh, prayers to be ministered to you. Please come, come. I'm done. Um, thank you for being patient with me, church. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus.